Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men find clarity and fulfillment through the pursuit of purpose. On today's episode, we have another special guest. His name is Kevin Palmieri. He is the co-founder, CFO, and co-host of Next Level University. Thank you for coming on to the show, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. I appreciate it. I'm excited to, to jam with you and see where we go. Hey, great. And I like the energy today. That's that <laughs> professional energy. I can feel it. It's kind of contagious. I got to bring it. I got to bring it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But uh, yeah, for the people that aren't familiar with what you do, could you just give them a little bit more background information? Yeah, absolutely. So I, as Kamani uh, said, we have a podcast called Next Level University. We do seven episodes a week, and our goal is to bring holistic self-improvement to entrepreneurs. I think a lot of people are focused on making more money, which is great. A lot of other people are focused on being healthier, and then some people are focused on love. But if you really want to have the best, most next level version of your life, I think if you focus on all three, you'll really have the best version. And there's not a lot of people out there talking about that because it's very, very, very challenging. So that is our goal to bring holistic self-improvement to the world and put our podcast out there every single day for free in people's pockets. Hey, that's great to hear. And a question I have for you to follow up on that is what would you say led to you coming to that conclusion to where mm. uh, it was the best thing to pursue those three things instead of one? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know you know Alan, the, the co-host and my business partner. Alan and I both had a level of financial success in our mid-20s, but neither of us were healthy and neither of us had great relationships. And I think we both were raised by females. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother and Alan was raised by his mom and his sister. And we didn't have positive male role models in our lives. And looking back, I, I remember thinking like, yeah, I knew a lot of people who made money and I knew a lot of people who were into fitness and health, but I never really knew somebody who had it all. And I do believe if there was a holistic approach to life, particularly in self-improvement, I think a lot of the problems that people have and a lot of the traumas and a lot of the misopportunities wouldn't be there because I think a lot of it comes from ego. And honestly, when you're trying to become the best version of yourself, it's challenging. And challenge oftentimes removes the negative parts of your ego. It's humbling to chase your dreams. It's humbling to try to make money in an authentic, aligned way while going to the gym, while having difficult conversations with your partner about how you haven't been showing up as the best version of yourself. And I think being humbled is one of the best things in the world. And I think if the world had an opportunity to be humbled more, they probably would bring the vibration of the planet up a little bit. So what humbled you? You talked about your upbringing and how like you're missing male figures in your life. But it'd be great if you'd like to dive into it, if you could talk about what are some of like the specific challenges that came with that, because I'm sure some people might be able to relate. Yeah. Yeah. So I was raised lower middle class, I would say. We always had food on the table, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. But talking about paying rent and how we were not going to be able to do it was pretty common. That was a common mm. conversation in my household. When all of my friends decided that they were going to go to college after high school, I didn't do that because that really wasn't an opportunity. Nobody in my family had gone. I didn't really have any support or guidance on how to do it. Could I have gone and found that out myself? Absolutely. Uh, but I did not. So when everybody went to college, I stayed and I worked at the gas station. And after the gas station, I worked uh, cleaning floors and toilets at the hospital. And I was a personal trainer and I was a truck driver and a forklift operator. I was all these different things. But what really humbled me, I think, most was my insecurities. I was always very, very insecure, but I had tattoos and I was a bodybuilder, so nobody ever knew it. And when I was 25, 
this is really where I started to understand myself. And I think I actually started to become humbled because I was actually challenged. When I was 25, from all outside standards, I had the life of your dreams. I had a beautiful girlfriend, a great job, a sports car, a new apartment, all the things that you could want. But I was super insecure. I was playing very small-minded. I was very scarce. And my girlfriend wanted to travel and she wanted to move from the East Coast to the West Coast and she wanted to chase her dreams. Mm -hmm. And I, I gave her every reason in the world why she shouldn't do it. Gas is too high, blank, blank. Insert excuse, fear, scarcity here. And my girlfriend left me. And when she left me, that was one of the most humbling things in the world because I had to look in the mirror proverbially and say, okay, you're not confident. You're not the, the positive person you make out to be. You don't really like yourself that much. You're afraid of your own shadow. And that's when I started getting into self-improvement. That was the initial time for me. I hadn't read a book before that until I was 27, 26. That's when I read my first self-improvement book. So when my girlfriend left, I was very humbled because I started, I had to pay for the apartment. So my bills doubled overnight. Work got really slow. So I wasn't making any money. And I remember talking to my landlord and he said, well, I'm going to take you guys. I'm going to have to take you guys to court. I'm going to have to take you and your, your ex-girlfriend to court because I know you're not going to be able to pay. And I said, no, 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 trust me. You're not going to take us to court. I promise I'll figure this out. I'll find a way to make this happen. And every night before I went to bed, I said these positive affirmations. I am talented. I am worthy. I am handsome. I am smart. And this year, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made. And that was really my purpose for that next year was to make as much money as humanly possible because I thought that if I made money, all those problems would go away. All the things that were humbling me would go away. And I ended up getting a promotion at the company I worked for. It was a construction company is the best way to explain it. Mm-hmm. And being being promoted to a foreman <clears throat> meant that I was on all of the jobs. So I opened the job and I closed the job. And if we fast forward to that end of, the end of that year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I was just grinding. I was living in hotels. I was driving six hours from New Hampshire to New Jersey. I worked in Delaware. I worked in Virginia. I was all over the place. But that's all I really cared about. I just wanted to make money because I thought the money would make my problems go away. And we got to the last pay stub of the year. I'm standing at my kitchen table because my girlfriend had taken the chairs. They were her chairs and I was never home. So I didn't bother buying new ones. And I slid open that final pay stub and I made six figures. I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But I had another moment of, okay, when my girlfriend left, I realized that I was putting so much of my happiness into external stuff. I Uh did that again. I did that again. With, with the, the money, pay this time with the, with the pay. And it was like in that moment, everything shifted because I realized that I didn't care about the money like I did before because it didn't fix it. It's almost like when you think the light at the end of the tunnel is going to fix things and you get the light and you realize, oh, it's just, it's just light. It doesn't really shift much. You change everything. Really, you change your core values. And I realized that for most of my life, I had been living unconsciously. And I thought, okay, what's the opposite of unconscious? It's hyperconscious. So shortly thereafter, I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. And that was another humbling activity. Kamani, you know, you have a podcast, you know, it's difficult to do. Absolutely. And, <laughs> right. And right. that podcast was a passion thing for me. And I didn't care about the money anymore. So I started calling out of work. 
I started showing up late. I started leaving early. I just didn't care. I didn't care about the, the job anymore. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do because I, I wanted to podcast full time, but I knew I wasn't capable of doing that yet. So if you fast forward throughout that year, and even if you listen to the podcast episodes I was doing, it was very clear that I was miserable. And one day I was in New Jersey. It was like six hours from home. And my alarm went off at 6.15. I was getting ready to, to go to the, the job site like I did. And I woke up, I slid to the edge, edge of the bed and I was lacing up my work boots. And the best way to explain it is there was 10 televisions on at the same time and every single one was on a different channel. And one was saying, you're stuck here forever. Too bad you want to leave. You're stuck here forever. You're never going to find a job that pays you $100 an hour with no college degree. It's not going to happen. What is your family going to say? They love the fact that you make so much money. What are your friends going to say? Like you have this persona built up. And this is the loudest one was, do you really think you can be a successful podcaster? And the answer was, no, I didn't. I genuinely didn't think I could be a successful podcaster. And the most humbling thing ever of all time that has ever happened in my life in that moment, I felt like if I ended my life, I would take all my problems with me. Now, luckily, I have Alan as a business partner. You know Alan. And I sent him a message and said, hey, man, I'm going through it. I'm having these dark thoughts. I don't know what to do. Like, what's going on? And he said, Kev, so much has changed for you over the last few years, but your environment hasn't changed that much. I think it's time for a change. And three or four months later, I left that job and I went full-time into what we're doing today. And Oftentimes, that's where people's stories end and they say, well, we have 950 episodes and multi six-figure business. No, it was brutal. It was unreasonably challenging. It was unreasonably humbling for the next three years. We didn't make much money. Two years in a row, I couldn't afford Christmas presents for my girlfriend, which was one of the most painful things in the world. She paid the bills for a while. So there have been so many humbling parts of this journey. And I, I do believe that that has helped me a lot with my character. I think that when you're chasing something that is so far beyond your current capabilities, you really have to be humble because you can't be arrogant and try to maximize your potential because you're always going to be playing a somewhat losing game. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to change the world, you know, you gotta, you gotta show up every day and it's going to be unreasonably humbling. So I think we're set up in a nice place now, Kamani, where every single day I'm humbled. You know this, cause we talked about it. We did a live virtual speech right before this. And it wasn't my best. It was probably like an eight out of 10 humbling. It's humbling. And you look at the tape, you go back and you try to do better next time. So getting outside of the the day-to-day doing different stuff, I think is, is always a humbling challenge, but it's helpful. So the experience that you just described, mm. at least I would imagine this is something that happens to a lot of people, you know, every day all around us where they kind of sit on the edge of the bed, right? And they think, man, I really hate what I'm about to go do today. Do I really want to get up and just move through life, but somehow people find a way to do that for like the next, let's say 20, 30, 40 years for the rest of their life, however. And it's really kind of crazy to think about. And the question I like to ask you is what would you, what do you think is like the, uh, what would you think is like the switch that flipped in your head that didn't flip in any of these other people's that might be uh, experiencing something similar? Mm, Great question. I had a mentor already that had done what I wanted to do. Alan was already mentoring me. I just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. So Alan had quit his corporate job making $180,000 a year. And he became a full-time entrepreneur. One of the, that's always one of the big pieces of advice I give people 
is you got to find somebody who has done what you want to do because humans must have three beliefs in order to take a new action. They must believe that it is possible for them. So if you don't believe, what's a good example? Um, I remember when I was younger, Evil Knievel's son, Robbie Knievel, jumped a dirt bike across the Grand Canyon. And I was like, I need to watch this. This is something. This is something. So he believed it was possible for him. He believed, well, if I get enough speed, I build a ramp right, I can jump across the Grand Canyon. Okay, he believed it was possible for him. He also believed that it was humanly possible. So he realized and did the math. Okay, if I go fast enough in the ramp, I'll do it. Last but not least, most people don't have this one. He believed it would be worth it. See, Robbie Knievel is a daredevil. So he does the stunt. He gets hurt. He might die, but that's who he is. He believed it would be worth it. Human beings have to believe it's possible, possible for them and worth it. I knew that it was possible because I saw Alan doing it. I believed it was possible for me because I knew Alan could help me. And I always knew it would be worth it because imagine being able to podcast every day. I, I knew that would be worth it. Being your own boss, getting, getting to work on your own schedule. I knew that would always be worth it. But I think it's a lot of people struggle with, will it be possible for me? Will it be possible? Do I know enough? Am I smart enough? Do I have the right connections? Am I willing to sacrifice long enough? I think that's part of it. I think that's a big part of it is they don't have the people in their life who can help them get there. And I think this is the other thing. We call it the pain pleasure pendulum. Imagine you go to work on a Monday and it is just the worst day ever. It is terrible. 10 out of 10 bad. This is what happens. You either quit on Monday or Tuesday, it gets a little bit better. 9.5 out of 10. Wednesday, it's like a nine. Thursday, it's probably like a seven. Friday is Friday. So it's at like a five out of 10 pain. And then come the following Monday, you're just back into the normal zone you were before. When you go all the way to hell no, you're willing to go all the way to hell yes. And I think a lot of people live in the middle. They live in, I don't know who said the quote, but lives of quiet desperation. I think a lot of people do where it's bad, but it's not bad enough to make a giant, what seems risky choice. And for okay. me, when you're, when you're suicidal, there's nowhere else to go. There's only one other place to go. And I, I didn't really want to go, go there. No. didn't want to go there. Now, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of people do end up going there and that's, that's sad and that's tragic. And I don't ever want that to happen, but I do think you have to make sure you have the right people around you. If I didn't have Alan, I don't know what I would have done. Right. That's, that's, he was the linchpin to me doing what I'm doing today. So I really think that is it. People don't believe that their future is brighter. And I did in that moment, I did. Okay. So two things I picked up on from what you're just talking about. One, you had somebody that was pouring into you and that saw potential in you and was verbalizing that so that way you could even get into the mindset of thinking that something like that was possible for you. And that kind of goes into what you're saying is one of those issues for a lot of people where they don't know if it's possible for them due to them having that lack of self-confidence and everything. But one thing I'd also like to kind of touch back on that you mentioned is uh, I'm trying to think of the way that you uh, that you phrased it, but it, it really came down to me the way I interpreted it was having a strong enough why. And the thing is, at the end of the day, you had a strong enough why, a strong enough pull to get out of what it was that you were doing, despite maybe, you know, how it would have hurt your perceived status to not be making as much money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the average person might not have that. Maybe that perceived status is stronger than any type of why they could come up with because they aren't sitting down and actually come up with one that's like strong and defined and might align with their values and morals. And they may not be living an intentional life, like you were saying, to where they could even 
see a direction where they need to go in in the first place that's out of the um, external. And so yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I just wanted to kind of add a little bit to that to put a little bit more context to it. Please, please. I, I think this is the interesting thing too. I was already podcasting. So it's like, mm -hmm. if I didn't have the podcast, even though I was only whatever I was 10 episodes in, then my thought process would have been completely different. I wanted to be a full-time professional podcaster. And then there's the whys under that, right? Of Again, you're a podcaster. I love talking to podcasters because you have people who reach out and when they send you a message of, hey, that episode with blank or that solo episode you did, it really helped me. That locks in the why of, mm, yep, that's exactly it. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than me in this microphone. There's people out there who listen to this. That has always been my why is imagine if I could say something to somebody who changed the way they thought, it changed the way they acted, and then it changed the way they lived. Imagine if you could have that type of impact in a positive manner on somebody. Yes, the why power has, has been there since I started, which I'm grateful for. And I know not everybody has that. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. I mean, of course, my stuff is on the scale that yours would be. But whenever, you know, I do have those people that reach out about an episode or someone that might email and ask for advice or the people I know personally that will say, hey, I listened to this episode mm -hmm. and you had a really cool guest in there. I thought you guys talked about some great stuff. It is a good feeling. It does give me like a, a sense of fulfillment. And uh, something else I'd like to say, too is that you stepped out of your comfort zone for one to even do that in the first place. And the thing is, you know, normal people don't just wake up and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to start a podcast. You know, people want something to do. They might say, let me go join like an intramural league or like, let's let's go to the bar or anything like that. But just you doing something that was a little bit out of the norm, stepping out of what your normal routine and comfort zone was, it seems like it led to you finding something that really resonated with you because you see now that you can have a lot of impact doing that. Yeah, I was. So Alan actually had a podcast. Mm -hmm. Alan's podcast was called Conversations Change Lives. And I met, I didn't meet Alan. Alan and I went to middle school together and we had kind of a falling out after, but I saw Alan at a party when we were in our mid twenties. And I said, Hey man, that's awesome. You got a podcast. And he said, Kev, I'd love to have you on. And come on, it kept falling through. It kept mm -hmm. falling through. Like we were supposed to do it and something would come up. We were supposed to do it and something would come up. And I remember I said, Alan, I'm going to come to your house and I pick you up and we're going to do this effing thing. Like, what are we doing here? I, I, this needs to happen. I don't know why I felt that way, but I felt that way. After that hour and a half interview, Alan went to the bathroom. Our other buddy, Andrew, was there. I said, Andrew, imagine if you could do that for a living. And he said, Kev, you know you can, right? And then that is what motivated me, inspired me to go start my own podcast. I bought the stuff and, and then I had a podcast. So one of the things I always talk about is it's so important to try different stuff. I never wanted to be a speaker. I'm terrified of speaking. Even before we did this, I was on a speech. I was terrified. So I think that you got to try a bunch of stuff because you never know when the key is going to fit. You never know when you're going to put the key in and you're going to turn it and you'll be, ah, interesting. Maybe that's my thing. And then when you reflect, when I was a truck driver and I'm driving a truck for eight hours a day, I used to listen to sports talk radio. And I remember thinking, imagine if you could talk into a microphone for four hours a day and that was it. That was your day. And it's like, oh, interesting. Now that's what I do. I did a Facebook Live in 2012 on stuff that we talk about today. Interesting. Connecting the dots, it all makes sense, but it never would have made sense if I didn't do that other thing, if I didn't try other things. So I think it's just so important to try other stuff. I didn't even know they had Facebook Live back in 2012, but uh, they didn't, they didn't have lives. Something new. Yeah. They didn't have lives. Yeah. You had to take a video and then put it up there like natively. But yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, okay. 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 <laughs>
and uh, that story you told about like the interview falling through at UNL and it just reminded me of a guy Joshua Taylor if you're listening to this episode we need to do our interview because me and this guy had like tried to link up maybe like two or three different times to do an interview and it never happened I guess this is like a sign saying if we do it we're gonna end up making six figures podcasting or something there it is I'll make sure to reach out to him and and let him know about that but yeah I mean I love the story and everything and another question I'd like to ask you to kind of go into a different direction is you're coming up from rock bottom like how you talk about and just pretty much reinventing yourself and reinventing your life how would you say that affected your uh, relationships that you already had meaning like mm. family old friends co-workers probably the people that you spent most of your time with uh before you made the transition into who you are today yeah great question i i do think that i am somewhat of an anomaly when it comes to relationships and this is the only reason why i have never been very family centered So even when I took that job, I was traveling all the time. I was never home. And Mm -hmm. I remember having that conversation with my family. I said, I'm doing this. There's no, there's no discussion. I'm going to make a hundred dollars an hour. I have to do this. Like this, this is just something I have to do. What I will say is it became very clear to me. And this might sound a little harsh, but I, I, you know, heart driven, but no BS is our brand. And I think it's important. It became very clear to me who was capable of helping me accomplish my goals. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a lot of people who said, you know, Kev, I believe in you. I believe in you so much. I know you're going to do this. I know you're capable. And I, while I appreciate that, there's a difference between knowing I'm capable and knowing how to help me. And I realized very quickly that a lot of the people around me didn't necessarily know how to provide value. So that was an interesting thing to struggle with and to, to kind of wrestle with. But I think what it did was it gave me the necessity to make sure that my relationships were catered to the future. One of my favorite questions is, are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? Are the people in your life in your life because they've always been and they used to be? Or are they in your life because they're going to help you change the world or change your family's family's family in 20 years or, or change your community or whatever it may be? it made me have that conversation with myself because there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much time in a day. So it changed my relationships because it changed why I had the relationships I had. And, you know, I had a couple of people I was very, very, very close with that. I don't, I don't speak with anymore because their core values and their core beliefs were not in alignment with who I, who I was. It's when you're, I was very much a bro. You know, I was just uh, very much a bro. I, I wanted to hang out, play NBA 2K, um, lift, you know, li- lift. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that, right? Like I still lift, I still play. Now I play golf on PlayStation 4 sometimes, you know, when I have time. But mm-hmm. you think differently, you talk differently, and your relationships are different. And one of my friends at the time, when I introduced him to people, I used to say, this is blank. He's kind of a jerk. I remember I was dating a girl and I said that. I said, just be careful because he's kind of a jerk. And that makes you wonder, why am I friends with this Why are you around that guy? Why why? am I around? Right. So part of- Anybody needs a disclaimer. Yeah. You kind of have to wonder, is this person even worth dealing with? 100%. And I think I finally had the self-awareness because of the growth to realize, wait, wait, wait. I'm only doing this because I've always done it. Not because I want to always do it. So that, it changed that for me for sure. And then- you know, anybody who becomes an entrepreneur and leaves a six-figure income, your family's probably going to think you're crazy. So my grandmother kept saying like, Kev, when are you going to get a job? 
when, when are you going to start getting a job? When are you going to start looking for a job? When are you going to apply for jobs? And I remember saying, I'm never going to, I will never work for somebody else again. I will never punch a time clock. I'm going to do this or I'm going to die. That is it. And I think in the short term, my family was definitely questioning me, but I think after a while they started to respect me at a different level. So I don't think I've had a lot of the struggles that other people have genuinely. And I want to be transparent. I know a lot of people's family holds them back and they tell them they're not going to succeed and they might disown them or whatever it is. I didn't experience that. And I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful, but I do know a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that, but it helped me highlight and shine a light on why my relationships were the way they were. That's what I'll say. Okay. So the lesson I gathered, like to sum it all up is just be intentional about the people that you bring into your life. And another point that you brought up too, is that while family is important and they're valuable and they have their place in your life, there are going to be people in your family that might not work in your best interest too. And so you can't just limit that intentionality. If that's even a word (laughs) to the people that you meet that are new or like friends, people that aren't blood related because people that are blood related can have the same effect. More. I mean, the people that you're related to, yeah, probably a worse effect, right? They, they have more impact on you than any other human beings. And it's not always warranted. That's, that's the thing is like, well, they're my family. So I have to listen to them. I know that lot, like emotionally, that's the way it seems. But think of that from a logical standpoint. Like when you make a whole lot of sense. No, when you move out, you're on your own. You can kind of do whatever you want. And I think it's just hard to have those hard conversations though. I think that's the biggest challenge. And that's one of the things that this journey has taught me. When you start telling the truth, although it sucks in the short term, everything starts to align because everything's based on reality and not perception. So if you sit down with your family and say, look, and and just imagine if I did this, mom and Mima, Mima is my grandmother. I call her Mima. Mm -hmm. I was suicidal sitting on the edge of a hotel bed with $3,000, $4,000 checks that I didn't care about cashing because I didn't have to. It didn't matter. I'll just cash them when I get to the bank. And I wanted to take my life. I'm going to go do this because I'd rather be dead than do what I was doing before. I'd really, really appreciate your support. I know you're trying to keep me safe and I know you don't want to see me hurt, but I don't know if this journey could hurt me in the way that I was hurt before I started. Imagine having that conversation. Now, it's extremely vulnerable and extremely challenging, but I just wonder what my mom and Mima would have said. You know, I, I wonder what your family will say if you're out there listening. I think they'll try to find it from a place of empathy. People don't want you to fail. They don't want you to play small. They just don't want to see you hurt and they don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you broke and they don't want to see you scared. They, and they don't want to be left behind. That's part of it too. But I think once mm-hmm. you understand at a deeper level, you can actually find the empathy of, they don't want, it's not because they want negativity. It's because they don't want you to get hurt, most likely. Something that, uh, something I like to add to that too, is that I know at least like in, in my case growing up and probably in the case of a lot of other people, you know, some, some advice that I've, I've been given is that you shouldn't necessarily take advice from people that you wouldn't uh, trade places with. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, people might, might not want to be in the same type of spot that their family is in. And so it kind of does make you think, why would I have them be the main people that I'm taking advice from? And so uh, that's a good point that you made about that. And then another thing too, like with it being like your mom or your grandma, and this is something like even about my mom too, or like, I would feel like she kind of babied me or whatever, whenever things would go wrong. And like, let's say, you know, if I did have a situation where I was in a tough spot, I know that I can depend on her to try and like make me feel good, Mm -hmm. but 
I don't really know for sure. You know, I guess since it's never been to that point where I've gone to her for something like that, I don't really know for sure if she would give me the answer that I would need to be able to get up off of my butt and go and make something happen. And so I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Mm. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. And so to move on from that, what would you say has been like the most, what would you say has been like the most fulfilling part of, of what you've been doing now? Like, what would you say when you wake up in the morning and think about it, it tells you this is what I was meant to do on this earth. Mm. I think there's a couple things. One, Mondays are my favorite day and Mondays are the day that we record six of our seven, seven episodes. So Monday is like 10 a.m. till 8 p.m. every single Monday. And that's just recording. I, I get up at like five and I go to the gym. So Mondays are 15, 16, 17 hour days. They're my favorite days ever. I feel the most aligned. I feel the most fulfilled. It's not like work. I just look forward to them. It's my favorite. That's one part of it. And that's how I know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I think the other part is when somebody, when you start talking to somebody and you realize you're actually having a genuine impact on their lives. And if you're not a, maybe if you're not a podcaster, a speaker, a coach, a teacher, something like that, an educator out there, it might seem like that might not land. But I remember when people started reaching out, it was weird. It was like, wait, you listen to my podcast? Like we used to, we went to high school together. You listen to my podcast. That's awesome. Like, I'm so grateful. I appreciate that so much. Or when you get off stage, I, I spoke recently, like I said, when I got off stage, some, some young lady came up to me and she said, I follow you on social media and I watch all your stuff. You're like a hero to me. And it's just this weird humbling thing of like, oh, so what we're doing is really, really, it's adding value to your life. And I think the, the last part is, I have been willing to get so outside of my comfort zone for this. I just, I am willing to do whatever it takes, obviously within reason. I'm not going to, you know, do anything too crazy, like illegal or anything like that, but <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever my comfort zone is. I'm always willing to get out of it because I've connected to the mission. This is so much bigger than me. And I know that every day I'm growing and every day I'm contributing at a greater level and that's how I know it's my purpose. I, I just do. I don't know. It's very hard to explain, but I feel aligned. I lose track of time when I'm doing it. You know, it's, it's 7 p.m. And there's no way I'd, nowhere I'd rather be than with you right now talking about deep stuff to help people. It's just, it's easy to do. It's just easy. It's just easy to show up. Will it always be the best? No. Some days I'll drop the ball and it'll be the worst interview I've ever done in my life. But I, there's nowhere I'd rather be. I'd rather be doing this. And uh, how do you cope with that pressure? That pressure that you know that people's expectations are on you and that, uh, you know, at any moment, let's say if you took like one wrong step and like something got out about something that you did, uh, seemingly it could all be over. How do you deal with that pressure? I think about it pretty often, probably more often than I should, honestly. One of my biggest fears is somebody will meet me behind the scenes and they won't like me. They'll They'll think like, Mm, yeah, I listen to Kevin all the time. I thought he'd be better behind the scenes. I, that is a fear I have. That is a fear I have. I deal with it by focusing and continuing to focus on my character. Really? I mean, we didn't make money for the first two years. We were genuinely focused on building our character and getting rid of any of the toxic masculinity we may have had. 
really looking in the proverbial mirrors and having the difficult conversations of like, hey, I don't like when you say this. Alan and I, we had some, both of us crying conversations in the car of that, that crap has to end. You and I cannot play that game. We cannot be like that. We cannot say that. We cannot laugh at jokes like that. That's out of alignment for who we are as human beings. My goal is to make my character the best humanly possible so that I know that I'm being the authentic version of myself and the authentic version of me is the best version of me. And I think it's, it's an everyday process. It's an everyday process, but it's that. And I just try to over deliver. I just want to be a good dude. You know, at the end of the day, like my, I tell, I told Alan this, I want to be the most next level regular dude ever. Where like we could be out at a restaurant and somebody drops their spoon and I pick it up. Cause I don't care. Like, I don't care if I have more money. I don't care if I have a bigger brand or a bigger business. At the end of the day, we're all humans. We're just doing the same thing in a different way. And I think that's part of it too. I, I try not to lose sight of this. This whole thing is weird. It's very humbling to realize that like this whole reality perspective is just a weird experience and humans are just trying to figure out. And I think that just helps me stay grounded. And that's, that's always part of the goal for me. Hey, I love it. <laughs> and so um, one more question I have for you, kind of going back to the thing that you talked about with uh, you finding your purpose and what you wanted to do with your life. It's for those people that might be at rock bottom right now that could be listening to this. And want to have that turnaround like you did, where you were able to hop up and pursue what it is that you wanted to do and that you had a strong why and a purpose to pursue. What would you say are some tips that you give somebody a rock bottom or maybe even steps to be able to move in the right direction? Mm. I think that, so this is the thing and it's hard, right? Because everybody has different rock bottom, but I, I actually dealt with something recently where somebody I know was suicidal. And I was on the phone with this person. It was one of the most challenging conversations I've ever had. As you can imagine, you want to talk about pressure. There's a lot of pressure there, but I think that it's one of those things where you have to out logic the emotion. I know it seems like in this moment that nothing is going right and it never could again, but that's your feelings. Your feelings are telling you a story where if you wait a couple hours, you wait till tomorrow, you uh, reach out to somebody that you trust, that you love, that you, you know, they can help you and they can talk some logic into you. And I think you really have to lean into the fact that you do have a bright future if you're willing to create it. So that would be the through line is I know things are dark right now and maybe your future doesn't seem bright. And maybe the things that you've been doing have not been creating a bright future, but you can shift the things that you're doing in your future can be brighter. I think the first step is just trying to dig into the level of self-awareness of like, how did I get here? How did I get to this rock bottom? That's the biggest thing that helped me was I saw a pattern. The pattern was put my well-being and my internal happiness and my internal fulfillment into external results. Beautiful girlfriend, fast car, six-figure job, boom, 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 boom. That was the through line of my life. That's It would have kept happening, come on. If I went to another job where I made $250,000 a year, that would have happened again. That same thing would have happened again. I was interviewed one time and, and the lady said, do you ever think that'll happen again? Are you ever afraid you'll be suicidal again? And I said, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. I don't think so because I'm more fulfilled and I'm doing the right things. But I think that you have to find the through line of what created rock bottom. You have to have the awareness. You have to have the hyper-consciousness 
Because what we see is we see a symptom of something deeper. We see a symptom of a deeper cause, and we assume the symptom is the reality when usually the root cause, if you can change the root cause, you can change everything. But I don't think people give it enough time or they don't, they don't do the self-awareness. You have to have that difficult conversation of what does this actually mean? And where is this really coming from? I think that would be the, that would be the tip I would give. That would be the, the task. I think that's a great one. And uh, to follow up, for someone that decides to develop that awareness, someone that wants to get into personal development, what's the first book that you would recommend to them? Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's all about the difference between having a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Most human beings are emotionally driven. I don't, I don't know. I think it's roughly 80% according to some studies. But that book is catered to people who have fixed mindsets. And they assume whatever is, is forever. And I remember when I read that book, it was like, wait, hold on. I can change the way I think? That doesn't make any sense. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. I've never heard that before. That book unlocked a lot in me. And I always recommend it. It's a very simple book. In a very simple fundamental topic, but there's a lot of really, really inspiring, impactful, value-driven stories in there. And if you're out there and you assume you can't succeed, that's just a belief. That's not true. It's just a belief that you have because you probably have a fixed mindset. I very, very, very much did. That book is a great one for anybody out there who wants to adopt a growth mindset. And that's what self-improvement is. Self-improvement is having a growth mindset. So that's a great place to start for sure. Right. That one came off the tongue pretty quick. Do you have that one on your bookshelf? <laughs> no, I get I get asked that a lot. So it's uh-huh. Alan has his the compound effect. I always I always say that one because I think my first book I ever read, Kamani, was Rich Dad Poor Dad. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I don't I don't know that that's the best place to start because it's financial and there's a lot of good lessons in there. I know that so many of the people that I've talked to, I've worked with, most of our listeners, they have fixed mindsets. People who don't accomplish what they want, most of them have fixed mindsets because they've already convinced themselves that they can't. And when you convince yourself that you can't do it, you're proving yourself right. So I think it's just, that's a very, very valuable book. Very valuable. And I'm going to, I'm going to give that one more. All right. Thank you for that. Of course. And so now that we're starting to kind of wrap things up, I usually ask one question at the end of the interviews and uh, the question I have for you, and it doesn't have to be related to anything we talked about today. But what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever received from someone else or have read somewhere? Mm. The best piece of advice. I would say work on yourself. And I don't know where it came from. Work on yourself like your life depends on it because it does. I was going to say it absolutely does. Yeah, yeah I think that that for me is like, Again, it's one of those things that sounds so simple. It's like, well, of course it does. But when you really dig in, you know, the biggest difference between who you are now and who you want to be is what you do. It just is. It, like your habits, how you speak to yourself, how you shift your identity, that would be the biggest thing. That would be the biggest thing. And I think it's interesting too, Kamani, because every piece of advice you're given is only as valuable as the level you can dig into. So, a lot of people might see that as like a meme and it might get like a double tap and then somebody else might, it might inspire them to take new action and somebody might cater their life to that quote. So I think it depends on where you are in your journey, how something affects you. And I think that came to me through whatever book or whatever, maybe it was a coach at the right time, genuinely. 
All right. I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. And uh, you had mentioned habits and it mm. made me think of another question. So I guess it's technically not Please. the last question, but what would you say was the one habit, the one daily habit that has made the most impact in your life? Every day I learn for a minimum of 45 minutes, whether it's Ted talks, usually audiobooks is my jam. Audible. I, I love audible. Yep. Audible or iBooks, whatever it is. And there you can do them on YouTube too. YouTube has a lot of like bootleg full length books, audiobooks, if you want to do that too. Um, but yeah, that for sure, because you got to think, I mean, you can really only take action at the level you understand. And for me, consistency has kind of always been a strength. I'll do it as long as I know what to do, but I usually don't know what the hell to do. So I needed the awareness. When I have awareness, I have opportunity. So I would say 45 minutes of learning every single day has been the biggest habit for me. And that started with five minutes a day. So if you're out there and you think, well, I could never do that, that's totally fine. Start with five minutes, read one page, journal one word, whatever you need to do to get started, I think is sustainability is more important than progress up front always. If you had a reading list you could share, that would be great. I don't know if you guys have something like that already. It's a great, that's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> I think we should, we, we were going to do that. So we have a, we have a charity that we're creating called next level hope foundation. It's for, um, boys without fathers. And what we were going to do is we were going to create a reading list and then every book that got purchased, we were going to connect to Amazon and we were going to donate all that. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the kick in the butt we need. Hey, maybe so. Appreciate it. Wait, that pretty much wraps things up for another episode of improvement. If you guys liked the episode, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to it on. And if you'd like to find more content, make sure you go to improvementpodcast.com. And Kevin, for anyone that would like to find you, where would you recommend that they go? Yeah, just search right after you search improvement, search Next Level University on all the major podcast platforms. We are there. And then every single one of our episodes is on YouTube as well. And if you want to chat with me, just message me on Instagram at neverquitkid. I promise I will get back to you. All right, great. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on to the show. I appreciate it. Right back at you, my friend. I appreciate you. All right, take care.